I'm your host, Maria Maldonado-Smith, and this is Creating the Vision, a podcast about living the life you envisioned and leaning into your passions, power, and purpose. Each week, we'll hear from guests discussing their journey to living and creating the vision for their life. We'll talk all things vision imagery, goal setting, and accountability so that you feel empowered and inspired to take action, turning your plan into the life you've always dreamed of living. Welcome, visionary. I'm so glad you're here. Hello and welcome, visionaries, to this week of Creating the Vision. I am your host, Maria Maldonado-Smith, and I am so excited to come to you this week with a topic that I absolutely love discussing with people and sharing my insights to. Now, I am not the expert on this, but I have done a lot of reading on this subject. I do enjoy pouring into myself in this way because becoming resilient is something that I have been learning to do ever since I was a little girl. And one of the things I often find myself in conversation with people about is how do I become resilient? Am I just born that way? Or do I have to have like a lot of bad crap happen in my life in order for me to flex that resiliency muscle? And the answer is no and no. (laughs) We can develop resiliency even if we live the most charmed life and everything goes right for us. Because I venture to say that not everything is going right, even if you live that charmed life. But one of the ways in which we can think about becoming resilient too, especially as parents, is how we can teach our children and coach them and develop them through becoming a resilient human being from a very early age. Now, as this pertains to us as adults, we still have the opportunity and ability to hone this skill, to grow into becoming a more resilient human being. And it's really five simple steps. So I'm going to share those with you today. The first one, of course, is going to take you all the way back to creating an action plan. Might I remind you that less than 3% of Americans write their goals down. I'm going to keep preaching it and teaching it and reminding people till they're blue in the face and they say, you know what, daggone it, I'm going to write my stinking goals down. So go do that right now. If you're not driving in your car, if you're folding laundry, put it down. It can wait for a minute while you go and write your goals down. Because the next piece of that is my number one, which is to create an action plan. How can we become resilient individuals and people if we don't even know where we're going or where we're headed? We have to create a plan of action that is rooted in writing down your goals and figuring out how you're going to get from point A to point B. I give this talk often to corporations when I will share with them some of my resources. And one of them, when I went through uh, the most traumatic and frustrating and horrible time of my life that impacted my family, my own sense of resiliency, my self-confidence, my impression of myself in this world was reading a book that my husband bought me because he knew that and knows that I love Sheryl Sandberg, formerly of Meta and Facebook. If you don't know who she is, she's a complete boss. And the book is called Option B, and it was written in the aftermath of her husband's untimely death while they were on vacation in Mexico. And she shares a conversation she had with a friend of hers in which she said, 
I don't have a plan B. I, I, if I remember correctly, it was something like, well, what is your, like, what's your, what's your plan? And she said, well, I don't have a plan B because my plan was to live the rest of my life with my husband and raise our children. I didn't think of the next step or what could happen. And so I'm not saying that we all need to go think about what would happen if our spouse passed away. But listen, that is why we have estate planning. It's why they tell you to create a will and a trust and all of those things to prepare for the unexpected. The point is, if we don't have a plan, we don't have a direction to go in when things change, when things go awry. So creating that action plan is first and foremost, one of the ways in which we can begin to become a more resilient human being. If I have a plan in place and I have walked myself potentially through the circumstances of what might happen, I'm going to be better equipped at handling that situation when it comes. Therefore, flexing that resiliency muscle when it's necessary. So create an action plan. Understand where it is that you are headed. So many of us go through this life aimlessly and without cause or purpose or reason, we just wake up every day and do the things that we do and we don't understand how we fit into the overall picture of our own life. We might spend 80% of our time with the people we work with, but we spend 100% of our time with ourselves. So it's time for us to put our action plan together and create the vision for our life. That is going to help us become more resilient. The second thing is after you write that action plan, get started. Jump off the proverbial cliff. Make it happen. Just put a parachute on. Make it happen, guys. Get started. Move forward one step at a time, one foot in front of the other. Don't wait for a particular month or day or year to get started. Just get started. The reason that this plays into us becoming more resilient is because it's often the most inconvenient time when we choose to get started. It's typically born out of overwhelm or stress or getting fed up with the particular position or station that we're at in life and wanting to make a change. Then it becomes necessary and incumbent upon us to enact change. So just get started. Create that action plan and make it happen. The third thing are affirmations, our positive self-talk. How we speak to ourselves is so vital and important to our overall ability in becoming more resilient. How can I stay strong in the face of adversity if I'm waking up every day and telling myself that I'm worthless, that I'm incapable, that I'm incompetent, and that I don't have what it takes? How is that accomplishing anything when it comes to creating the vision for my life? It doesn't. So we have to wake up every day and trust ourselves. If you listen to an earlier episode of mine a few weeks back, I talked about I spent the whole episode, it was a short one too, talking about trusting yourself because Barbara Walters famously said, the hardest thing you will ever do is trust yourself. But I just mentioned that we spend 100% of our time with ourselves while we are on this planet. So we got to spend that time wisely by reminding ourselves how freaking awesome we are, that we do trust ourselves, that we have what it takes, that we are capable, that we are smart, 
that if we don't know the answers, we'll figure it out. We'll meet the people that do. We'll dig in. We'll do the research. We'll find out the resources. We'll do some more reading. We'll visit a place that might change our minds and our perspective, but that we've got this. We've got this. So affirmations are crucial to creating resilience and becoming resilient. I've shared this quote often from Napoleon Hill of Think and Grow Rich, that the mind achieves what the body believes. Well, if I'm pouring positive affirmations and positive self-talk into my head every single day and staring into the mirror and saying, Maria, you have got this. Girl, you are intelligent. You are strong. You are capable. You are worthy. And I do that consistently every single day. And then I back it up with a post-it note on my mirror that says those exact things in case I need a reminder or I forget or I want to not listen to myself. I have a physical reminder in the form of a post-it note that's on my mirror telling me, no, you are these things. You have exactly what it takes. You are the right person for this. You are smart. You are intelligent. You are driven. You know your purpose, your passion, your why. Go do the dang thing. Those affirmations are vital to becoming resilient, to accomplishing our goals, because when time get, times get tough and we want to throw the towel in, those are the mental phrases that come to us when we need them most. When everything else externally is telling us one thing, we tell ourselves another. So don't take lightly affirmations and self-talk in a positive way. I know some people think it's woo and it's cringy and you know, whatever. Don't knock it till you try it and do it consistently for a month and see what a better mood you're in. The fourth thing is to identify your stressors and your triggers. We all have them. We all know it stresses us out. We all know that when we get overwhelmed, we get burnt out, we put too many things on our calendar or our schedule, we give of ourselves too much without pouring back into ourselves. that at the first sign or sight of a hiccup or a delay or a rejection or a failure, et cetera, it just weighs on us and it stresses us and it triggers emotions and thoughts and feelings that we normally would not be feeling if we weren't in that particular situation. One thing that we do know is that when we are stressed, it's typically a result of chronic stress, overwhelm, fatigue, insomnia, lack of sleep, not caring for ourselves nutritionally, and foregoing our own needs in place of putting others first. Remember, we can't pour from an empty cup. We've all heard it. But how often do you actually listen to that? How often do you actually heed that advice? I fly often. I hear the spiel. Put your oxygen mask on first before you help your child or another individual. But how often do we actually heed that advice? We have to identify the things in our life that make us stressed, that wig us out, that can derail us if we are not attuned to what's going on around us. We're not staying in our goals and working in them. And we're not actively participating in the things that we tell ourselves daily. What are some of your triggers? What are some of your stressors? A lot of mine are self-inflicted, but think about that. 
think about some of the ways in which you stress yourself out. Maybe it's that you're in a career where you're being asked to do way more than what you originally were tapped to do. You might be getting paid the same. How does that make you feel? Have you shared any of these thoughts with your manager, with your leader? It could be that you're going through a difficult time at home and maybe your stressor is the family meal because you are tired of hearing your kids say that they don't want to eat what you cook. I am lucky on that one because my husband is our cook and he is a phenomenal one at that. And our kids never say that they don't want to eat his food. So it's actually not one of my stressors, but if it's one of yours, then there you go. Identify it, understand why it makes you feel the way it makes you feel. Acknowledge it, get it out there, write it out and figure out how you're going to cope with it. The next time that it presents itself, the next time you're asked to do more when your plate is already full, what does that conversation look like? Because you can't keep depleting yourself at the mercy of making someone else happy. We have to focus on ourselves because when we are the most whole and complete and full versions of who we are, we are better for people. That is the byproduct of that. So I hone on this one on number four, which is identifying your stressors or your triggers because we seemingly go through life at times and we don't acknowledge what those are. We don't understand why we are anxiety ridden because emotional intelligence tells us that that's a secondary emotion and it's only there to hinder us. And anxiety is typically a root of fear. Is it a fear of failure? Is it a feel of rejection? Is it a fear of not making others happy? Whatever that fear is needs to be identified. So regardless of goals, regardless of all of these wonderful things that we set and we set out to accomplish, if we don't know who we are and why we're doing what we're doing and what it means to us, the value that we place on it, then there's really no point in, in trying because we're just going to keep running on that hamster wheel. And every time something comes up that we are uncomfortable with, we're not going to address it or we won't know how to because we haven't gone through the emotions and the feelings and the steps and the motions of figuring out what it is that makes you unhappy, that makes you sad, that makes you disappointed and frustrated and pissed off. And what are your pet peeves and what are all of those things? This probably should be number one, honestly. But I just am a sucker for an action plan that I'm pie in the sky. So I want you to write down those goals first. But as you start to dig in, you start to dig in deeper and deeper and deeper. That's when you put the pedal to the metal. That's when you start figuring things out. And that's when you say to yourself, oh, what makes me this way? Why do I react this way? Why did that really upset me? Why did that motivate me? Why did that make me wake up and say, I can do this? We need to understand ourselves better than anyone else because we spend 100% of our times with ourselves, with us. So I really want this for you. I want you to know what your stressors are. I want you to know what triggers you in a negative way, in a positive way, in all of the ways, because on the path to becoming resilient, this is what's going to set you up for success. This is what is going to be the difference and that variable and that huge factor and catalyst for you giving up or moving forward and progressing. And the fifth thing, just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Just keep going. Keep moving forward one step at a time, one foot in front of the other. No one says you have to accomplish your goal in six months, 
in six days, in six years, you know what you're capable of accomplishing. Can you push yourself at times? Absolutely. We all can. That's why it helps to have an accountability partner. And we know science tells us that when we have an action plan, when we've written down our goals and we've created that visual representation for our plan and we have an accountability partner on board, we are 64% more likely to accomplish our goals. So we know this, but when things happen, what's your default setting? Do you give up? Do you give in? Do you throw the towel in? Do you say, I'm done, I'm out, it's too hard? Or do you push through? The resilient person pushes through and that's what we're working to become. We're working to become more resilient so that you push through. Accomplishing goals is not easy. The goal, yes, is the destination, of course, because it's everything along the way to getting there that is hard. That's where we're building resilience. We're building resilience in the crevices and the nooks and the corners and the edges and everything else along the path to that goal, that setback, flexing that resiliency muscle, that rejection, flexing that resiliency muscle. The person who told you they don't think that your idea is so great, flexing that resiliency muscle and pushing through and proving them wrong and not proving them wrong because you want to stick it to them, but proving them wrong because you know, in your heart, you know, in your mind, because you've been telling yourself forever that you have what it takes, you know, your why you're following your North star and it doesn't matter what they say because you don't have to appeal to everyone. You just have to appeal to the one person that is going to accomplish that goal yourself. I tell clients I'm not for everyone and neither are they. So why would I listen to someone else and put their advice on a pedestal when they're not even a part of my goal? They're not even a part of the journey. They're not even a part of the day to day. I wouldn't. I don't. This is how we continue to build that resiliency. And parents, if you're listening, build this in your child. This is something that is learned. Remember at the very beginning, I said, people ask me, is this something that we're born with? No. Are there people who are just innately more capable of pushing through? Yes. I think we have figured that out in life, that they are just incredible human beings who, despite all odds, will push through. And they are our, they are our guiding light. They are our examples. They're the Michael Jordans, the Oprah Winfrey's of the world who have pushed through despite all odds, despite everything happening in a negative fashion in their life. And they said, eh, I'm still going to make it happen. They're phenomenal resources for us to lean on. But that doesn't mean because we haven't gone through something tragic and traumatic that we can't develop the ability to become resilient. It's necessary. And in raising the future generation to create the vision for their life, we have to instill in them and fight against this instant gratification world that we live in that only shows people's highlight reels and doesn't give us the full picture of what it took for them to get there. It is even more important as parents and as educators and as caregivers and as providers that we instill resiliency in our children. And here are just a couple of ways and suggestions that I have, because honestly, I am not the expert on this. I am still living my life as a mama of three and trying to build resilient and strong children, but I fail at times because as a parent, 
my go-to, my knee-jerk reaction, my default setting as a parent is to protect, is to instruct and to guide and then just do it for them. Let's just make it easy, right? Oh my goodness. If you're listening, raise that, that, that hand. We all do it. Now I've learned, I've reminded myself from time to time, as our children have gotten older, at least our older two, we place a lot of responsibility personally on them. They manage their own grades. They manage conversations between their, their, their teachers. We might be copied on the email, but we're not intervening. It is only in times when we absolutely have to that we will interject on their behalf. They have to experience uncomfortable things in life or they won't know how to navigate them when they become an adult and then they get into the working world. So ways in which you can do this at home is allowing rejection, allowing frustration, allowing for failure. Who says we had to get all A's? Who decided that getting all A's was like this metric in life that everyone needed to achieve and strive towards? I'm all for achieving and striving for greatness, but this is a narrative that I continue to push back on when I work with children. So if your kids have ever come home and they've worked with me in the school, in a school and they've said, I mean, this lady came in today and was like, I mean, I don't really need to get all A's. I just need to learn and enjoy myself and soak up all of the information. And if I miss a question, I don't need to beat myself up. Yeah. Yeah. That was me. They heard from me. Because my parents never placed a ton of emphasis on all A's. They placed the emphasis on, did you learn? Did you grow? Did you develop something new? Did it interest you? If it didn't, okay, but you still need to stay focused on the information. You can't fail. But at the same time, if you try your best, you apply yourself, you put the processes, processes and systems in place to be successful and you still get a B, I'm okay with that. So no, I'm not championing and holding the flag for all the, the, the D students and the F students who don't apply themselves. But if you do your best and you end up with a C, you try your best and you end up with a B, okay. I took two college courses when I was in college. I, there were two courses that I got bad grades in. Both times I did not apply myself. That's the difference. We put the emphasis on the A without understanding and outlining capability Effort, energy, focus, preparation, process, and systems. When we ignore all of those and just put the focus on the A, we start to create hyper-focused, stressed-out individuals who are focused on the A only and perfection outside of the journey to getting there. So as a parent, we need to reframe those conversations to one of what could you have done better? How are you doing to get there. And I'll use another example. My son, who is beautifully gifted at playing the piano. But guess what? When he doesn't practice, he sucks. He's not good. There is an outcome to the lack of practice. So then we always go back to the question of, do you enjoy it? Do you love it? Do you want to keep doing it? If the answer is no, okay. If you don't want to practice anymore and you don't want to put the effort and the time in, then okay. That's a different conversation. He enjoys doing it, but he's also 14. So I have to nudge him. We have to push him sometimes to make sure that he's practicing. And then we remind him of what happens when he does. See, when you studied for that test, when you practiced 30 minutes every single day this week, did you have a better lesson? Did you get a better grade? 
Did you understand the content more? Parents, just slow down and have those conversations with your kids. Help them to understand the why. Every child, we're like salespeople as parents. Every child, every human being wants to know what is in it for them. In all of life, we want to know the them. Why should I work out? Well, because I'm going to go to my doctor and I'm going to get a better overall health score. They're going to say that I did, I did the dang thing. Woohoo, you got healthy. I'm, I'm also going to live longer. I'm going to feel better. I'm going to maybe de-stress and get some of those stressors relieved and released. But I have to understand why I'm doing it in the first place. We can help and guide our children at the earliest of ages to understand those dynamics of resilience by walking them through those kinds of questions. Like I said, I'm not an expert on this. My go-to resource and expert is Lisa Damore, who is fantastic. If you have girls, definitely read her books. <laughs> she wrote one, I can't remember the title right now off the top of my head, but she has a new book that she just came out with, but it's fascinating and go, go check her out. We'll link her in the show notes here for you as a resource and as a guide. As an adult, if you are a leader, a people leader, you're looking for resources for your team, Try option B with Sheryl Sandberg, especially if you're a team of ladies. Tim Grover wrote a fantastic book called Relentless from Good to Great to Unstoppable, which defines the catalyst between what makes Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James relentless in pursuit of excellence and what made them different from all the other people that he worked with and knew in, in, in performance and high performance athletes. YouTube's great. There's lots of resources out there as well on becoming resilient, but the bottom line is it's a practice. It's something that is not innate. It's a learned skill. It's a learned behavior. Just like negative self-talk is learned. So is positive self-talk. Just like putting an action plan together is learned. So is not doing one. So to recap my five suggestions or my five tools on becoming resilient, especially in the face of achieving goals would be create that action plan, get started, identify your stressors and triggers, back up affirmations, affirmations. Yes. Do that. That's actually number three, number four. Oh, let's just start this over. Right. So that we get this in the right order. My top five tips or tools to achieving or becoming more resilient. Number one, create an action plan. Number two, get started. Number three, those affirmations, that positive self-talk on a daily basis. Number four, those stressors and triggers, defining those and identifying them for yourself. Number five, just keep going. Just keep swimming. Put one foot in front of the other. Keep going. Keep doing the dang thing, making it happen day in, day out. You mess up one day, that's fine. Get right back in it in the next. You forgot to do what you said you were going to do. You put your post-it note in the mirror and man, your day went to hell in a handbasket. Okay. Put that post-it note back up on that mirror the next day and go right back at it again. Because I believe so passionately in people achieving and accomplishing their goals. This is everything to me. It is my life. It is my life's mission, my life's purpose. I want people to live the most fulfilled, the most purpose-driven lives that they can. But it starts with us. We have to do the work. No one can do it for us. We have to take ownership of the vision that we have for our life. If it's up here in my, in our heads 
And it's here in our hearts, we owe it to ourselves to do what it takes to make it happen. Trust yourself, lean into your process, do the work, reap the rewards, become resilient so that you can do it all over again the next time you want to accomplish something big in your life, even something small. You're more equipped and you're more prepared to handle it. As we approach the holidays, especially, this is a really difficult time of year for a lot of people. This time of year in and of itself brings out stressors and triggers. Go ahead and be thinking about some of those and come up with your action plan. How are you going to handle that? How are you going to push through in those stressful moments? As a bonus tip before I part for this week, when you are feeling like you are depleted, when you're feeling down and need that pick-me-up, some best practices that I want to offer up or some suggestions to pouring back into yourself, go to bed early, get sleep, focus on your nutrition, dial that in. Don't eat crap, eat good, nutritious, wholesome food that is going to fuel your body in a positive way. That's going to put the stamina and energy and ability in your mind for you to think in a positive way because that does affect us. I want you to exercise. That's going to look different to anyone and everyone. It's going to look different. Watch a movie, meditate, pray, do yoga, get outside, go for a walk in nature, laugh with a friend, join a local community or group of people that you're aligned with and that have similar likes. Or if you really want to get out of your comfort zone and challenge yourself, then go join a group of people that you've never been around, travel to a new place, but think through ways in which you can overcome some of those difficult moments that you might be approaching this holiday season. Because outside of goals and outside of journeys and habits and all of that, the holidays do bring about a unique set of stressors and triggers for millions of people across the world. And in order to become more resilient, we have to identify what those are. And then we can apply those same types of practices and approaches to how we accomplish our goals, how we move through our day-to-day to get to where we want to go. And if all else still fails, shoot me a DM, send me an email, connect with me online, and let's chat it out. Let's talk it out. I will be your hype woman. I will be your number one cheerleader. I am an Enneagram 7 enthusiast, if you have not realized before now. So I am ultimately driven by helping other people become the best version of themselves. Because I truly believe that our world would solve all of its problems if we were completely dialed in and tapped into who we are, what we want, where we're headed. And when we create the vision for our life and see ourselves living the life we always wanted and dreamed of and dream of, then we are our most authentic version of who we were made to be. Thank you for listening this week. And I hope that these tips and resources and tools provided some valuable insight into ways in which you can stay resilient and become more resilient. And hopefully you will work on some of these with your family as well, because you are a team unit. And the more that you can empower and grow your family to grow together and to teach each other and to learn from each other and to push through when times get tough. It strengthens everything about our society. And I truly believe that our children are the future of our world. 
they're the ones that we need to be pouring into consistently and continuously. But if we're not doing that for ourselves, we can't do it for them. So that's why I really want you to create the vision for your life. Thank you for listening to this episode. It would mean the world to me if you could leave a rating and review of the show and subscribe on your favorite app. You can also find us on our YouTube channel, Creating Visionaries. If there is something that stuck out to you in this conversation, send me a message on Instagram to let me know. Until next time, keep creating the vision for your life.